Hey, welcome back to Start With a Win. Uh, this is a two-part episode, and this is part two of that two-part episode. So if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you go back and listen or watch part one on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast, and uh, come back here and listen or watch uh, part two. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Start With a Win, where we give you the tools and lessons you need to create business and personal success. Are you ready? Let's do this. love stories of other people their challenges so um i think that story was yeah fantastic well one thing too i mean you interact with a lot of leaders and um uh, a lot of people who are high performers and i guess you know one thing i'd be curious to understand or know is you know what is some of the the biggest hurdles that those people have to deal with and what is the advice and the encouragement that you give to those people in order to you know, kind of achieve their best. Yeah, you know, Mark, that almost everyone I speak to, it comes down to the same thing that I shared on the show because that was like the the core piece of it. So it's just a different way of asking people why they're doing things, what's driving them to do it, mm-hmm. what what do they really love to do. Well, it seems like it really to me. It's interesting because I feel like. We're always pulled, right? It's like, okay, I love to do this thing, but I also need to make money. And I love to, you know, maybe have a hobby. I have some sort of thing that I'm interested in, but then it doesn't maybe necessarily meet with what I need to do in order to, you know, produce for my family and and survive. So, and then there's always that risk and that fear of like, okay, if I really do what I love, can I be successful at it? You know? And so you know, I, I guess that's just, it's, it's the constant struggle that, that we all have. <laughs> well, some people are lucky enough to, um, uh, find a job that they do love mm-hmm. and you still get all those issues happening because not exactly the same, but you still get the struggle because we're human Yeah, and part of the human journey. And, uh, uh, you know, by the time you get to the place where you're, I don't know, fully, totally at peace all the time, you're either the you know, Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, or someone like that, and then you die. Mm. So it's, I guess it's part of getting a different perspective uh, and and looking at things differently to appreciate what you actually have. Mm. So, I mean, I guess I could say that, but these are not new things. No, I mean, this is all, I mean, I think all that's really right. great. I, I have a question yeah. also about this. So, uh, Amanda, the and I'm sure you've heard the recent studies about upwards of half of workers in 2023, in the first half of 2023, are yeah. considering moving jobs. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, obviously people want to be happy where they work. They they want to work for somebody who cares about their success. What What's your perspective on that statistic and what can an employer do in order to reduce that churn based upon, you know, what really what's going on here, which is that that feared out and overwhelm that that reduces our our liking of our, our business place. You know, you were CEO of Remax, so you get this, um, because Remax to me anyway has always had a good culture. Um from the from the times I've been with it. 
and you said it in this question, it's how much you show people that you care. Okay. I wish I could quote the original person. I don't know who it was. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. Uh, so we go and and we have all these fancy people talking about big fancy things and there's B to B and B to C and B to something else. And and I usually say, what about H to H? <laughs> and and it's like, and they go, huh? And it's like human to human. There you go. You know? like, here we are. We're all humans. And I don't care who you are, where you are, who you're dealing with, whether you're an entrepreneur trying to sell your products, build a business, do something. Remember, you're dealing with humans and it's heart to heart. And, and you can get as fancy wancy as you want. But at the, the very base level, if you have a core recipe and you screw up the core recipe, then whatever dish you make doesn't taste good. Right. At the core, we've got heart to heart, human to human. And, you know, if you believe your boss believes in you, if your boss demonstrates that he or she believes in you, if you're the boss, believe in your people. And if you don't believe in them, we'll move them on to a job where they'll be happier. Hmm. And, and belief in, you, in your team and belief in their ability to do it and then upskilling them so they succeed, not setting them up to fail because that's not caring, uh, and educating them along the way will keep people with you when you pay them less than they could get somewhere else. And, and these days, not only as part of that statistic you mentioned, Adam, but everybody is complaining about we can't find staff. Right. We can't find enough people. Well, you want, it's absolutely critical that places become a workplace that's joyful that people want to work at, where the employees go off and tell others, you should work with us. It's such a great place to work. And that's a place where, you know, a fish rots from the head, doesn't it? I'm not actually sure if a fish does rot from the head. I don't know. But it's a saying. And, you know, when you've got leadership, the, the, the responsibility of the leadership is to create the environment in which people can be the best they can be. That's awesome. So to that note, and I, I love the direction we're going here. We're talking about leadership creating, you know, you mentioned an environment where um, – you know, People can be the best they can be. They can be the best they can be. Uh, at Remax, we always said um, we create an environment where people can be as successful as they want to be. Same thing. Yes. So we we always stressed that the leadership should be visible and present. And obviously, you know, walking the hallways is one way of doing it. Visible and present is not sending an email out saying today we want you to do this. We either need physical presence or presence on video, you know, talk, I, I've yep. been coaching a lot of uh, CEOs to, to do podcasts and videos like this so that the culture of the organization can be projected, um, constantly reminder, reminding the employees as well as the customers, because the customers want to know that they're doing business with a culture that's great. So what, I mean, I know you're a big fan of this. Give me a little bit of feedback on, is this happening enough? Oh, no. <laughs> No, no. That was, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, pretty much no. It, what what can we do as leaders? I, I feel like just grabbing people by their um, clothes and shaking them and going, slap, 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 wake up, wake <laughs> up. It's not that hard right. to care for people, you know, like genuinely. I, I always say a leader's job is threefold. And the first is uh, to create an environment in which people can be the best they can be. The right. second is to help people believe in themselves. 
because belief in your own ability is a better predictor of success than any level of skill. And the third is to change people's behavior. And, and you know, people go, oh, well, you can't change, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. They would never change their spots. Yes, they do. People change in a heartbeat if you tell them a story that touches their hearts. So when you get success stories at work, when somebody does a great job, acknowledge them, share the stories. And remember, if you're in a leadership role, that, and, and this I learned by having to become, go virtual during COVID. If I consciously connect with you too in this field, which I did before we got on the call, and, and I'm just conscious that we're part of the same field, and then I bring in all the potential listeners and all the ones who may be listening, not even if we're not live, if you consciously make that, um, create that awareness, then we connect in a much better way than we would if we didn't consciously do that. Yes. It's possible. You know, mm. the metaphor here is you, you think of somebody you haven't thought of for six months and you go, geez, I haven't heard from Fred. And then all of a sudden, Fred rings you that afternoon, calls you in America, I think you say, um, or sends you a message and you go, wow, there's Fred. Well, guess why? Because Fred in the field picked up, you thought about him, and Fred responded to that. So wouldn't it be a shame if Fred was your boss and you haven't heard from him in six months? Oh, yes. That would be a very bad thing. <laughs> I, I see that happening, though. Seriously? Yes, yes. I see people, you know, the, the first thing that customers or, or the employee level say is, I haven't heard from my boss. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, oh, it's, that's yeah. what all of the surveys are showing. And it's fascinating because it's just, it's a lack of presence creates lack of trust and transparency in an organization. Also creates a lack of clarity in the direction the employees need to be going. So it's, um, it's fascinating that we're talking about this, bringing that joy, bringing that connection of everything from the, the interpersonal aspect, like you said, H to H, human to human, um, yeah. or heart to heart, I think is even more impactful because that's... That is the passion that leaders have for the success of their employees. Yes. And it's And it's that's so how cool. the employees feel it. Yes. You know, they feel it coming from you. Everything in business is about feelings. Everything. Totally. You know, nobody ever talks about it, but everything. People won't buy from you unless they feel good about you. Like I've just gone through the process of buying a new car here, and I, I can guarantee there's two or three people I didn't buy from. I could have, but I didn't because I didn't like the way I felt around them. Right, right. And that's just from a sales perspective, from a leadership perspective, how people feel about you and your product, your, your authenticity. Your, and, and that's the other thing we can touch on with leadership in particular is the authenticity. And, and I prided, and I know people love hearing stories, so it's not a, like a me fest, but it's just an example of how I've lived through this. I prided myself on being an authentic speaker because when I was very young and began my speaking career, I'd met some famous speakers who were amazing on stage and they were like depressed hulks off stage. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel right. right. So I committed to being like me, a really authentic on stage. Well, then I meet David Martin, like 40 years later, 30 years later, and he pointed out to me how I had been living my life based on the stories of a two-year-old, which were those stories I'd mentioned mm. in the podcast, the, the Three Core Fears. And uh, so people need to listen to the podcast because we haven't got time now to talk about it. 
But he said, you've been living uh, 60 years of your life based on the story of a two-year-old. Do you want to keep going? I went, well, uh, no. And as I went through that process, which was extraordinarily challenging but unbelievably valuable, I became more of who I really am. And I realized that I had created a persona and that persona was on stage. And instead of me bringing Amanda on stage, what I did was take the persona and put it into Amanda's life. And that doesn't lead to joy. Hmm. Uh, And did I know it? Was I conscious of it? Absolutely not. I, I would never have done it if I was aware of it. But as soon as someone pointed out to me, I went, oh, oh, that's not good. And, and I worked at changing it. And, and since I have, and it kind of ties into what I said in the podcast too, since I've come back more into understanding who I really am and I'm not my story, because we are not our stories. Our stories rule our lives if we let them, but we're not our stories. Right. Then that authenticity comes out and it's as if you get closer to the essence of who you really are. And then that essence emanates out. And, and if you're in a leadership role or speaking, I remember thinking one day, because my presentations have changed completely, like they look the same from the outside, but the responses are, they astonish me. I'm, mm. I'm grateful, but I don't feel like I'm doing much different, but everything's different. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what happens. And it's a much deeper and richer experience. So as a leader works through their own garbage, basically, and, and learns to become more authentic, because we talk a lot about authenticity and transparency, but nobody really tells you how to become authentic. Yeah, it's true. That's so, true. so what, 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 what is that? So you, when you found out later in life, you know, 30 years later, what was that work that you were doing every day to remind yourself or try to be present? Like, what was that work that you were doing in order to grow and, and develop into, you know, who you were made to be? Well, it was kind of slow down to the speed of consciousness and try to right. be present in every moment. And by being present in every moment, I mean that you're not thinking about the past and you're not telling yourself a story. You're not thinking about the future. You're actually right here, right now, like we are. Yeah. It doesn't matter what else is going on. We are here connected heart to heart and in our, each other's fields. Okay. And it's same with the people listening. But, but if you're listening and you're, I don't know, cooking or driving or doing something else at the same time, which everyone does, this mm-hmm. is not a criticism, yep. but just know that that's not being 100% present. And I do it all the time too. Yeah. You know? like I'll be cooking, but I'll play a podcast, your podcast, or I'll play another podcast, or I'll listen to music or something. But all of that is not actually being present. So mm. I tried to focus on being really present and silent as much as I could, because it's the silence that I hadn't really ever given myself permission to do. I, if things would get silent, I'd get very uncomfortable and mm. I'd find a hundred things to do or I'd talk a million miles an hour. But I trained myself to be able to sit on my amazingly beautiful balcony in Australia and look out over the forest and the ocean. And I had all that before, but I never sat there and enjoyed it. Yeah. So it's really that training that that we have, I mean, especially in this day and age, right? I mean, with social media and we have a computer in our pockets that we can Google search every thought that comes into our brain. We can, you know, start typing in a question and, and, uh, 
you, so I could see how this is going to be very difficult for people to um, really practice. But in the same way, I think it can be very powerful because if you practice that presence, then all of a sudden you can evolve into the greatest version of yourself. Yeah. And stillness. So yeah. it's the presence, the stillness and slowing down to the speed of consciousness, as David says, hmm. because with all of those, look, you know, it's only difficult in the beginning. Because we're so used to the habit of the busy and filling every second. But practice with little pieces, you know, like two minutes. I used to start off with two minutes. And, and I would try, I would write little notes to myself everywhere saying, present, uh, stillness, slow down. And, um, and then it becomes something that you miss. I miss it now if I don't have it. Mm. And in those moments where you, you're present, you, you're still and you've slowed down, you get to look deeper inside and catch the stories that you've been telling yourself. So that's one part, Mark. The second part is as I went through every day, I would pick up, uh, in the beginning, I had to pick up if I wasn't feeling good. First of, first of all, I had to learn to feel. Like seriously, I had to learn to feel because I had so effectively severed myself at the neck because if I had a feeling, it was always going to be way too scary. So truly, at the age of about 63 or 4, I started to learn to like really feel. So then once I could feel, I would then notice, and people are probably thinking, well, she's some, some kind of weirdo not being able to feel. But I wonder how many people actually are like that. Right. We've right. had some sort of trauma between 0 to 7 that was so traumatic for them that they just, oh, not going to feel again. Because I know my head said to my heart, now don't you worry, you just don't feel and we'll take care of everything. So you just no feeling here and we'll just take. So I was brilliant at being in my head, but crap at feeling. So I would notice if I wasn't feeling well, and then I would listen to the story I had told myself at the time, and then uh, I could change that story. Can you tell us... How do you start your day with a win in order to make these choices and pursue a, an effective day? For, for me, Adam and Mark, the real secret is gratitude. And I had already led a life that had a lot of gratitude in it um, before I met David Martin, but he kind of lasered me into the power of gratitude. So whenever I feel a bit down, or challenged, like moving back to America was a really big thing. You know, it's like life part 17. And um, I, in the moments where I felt a bit overwhelmed or maybe I was bordering on burnout, if I consciously stop and I focus on gratitude, all the things for which I'm grateful, and there are many, many of them, and you can always find something for which to be grateful, and if you're having a really, 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 really bad week or day, then be grateful you're breathing. So there's always something for which to be grateful. Be grateful you have eyesight if you have it. Um, and you can see beautiful things around you. So I start my days with a complete uh, setting, if you like, of gratitude. And, and, that, and then I make a conscious choice to find things for which to be grateful. Amanda Gore, thank you so much for being on Start With A Win. We appreciate all that you do. And thank you for starting with a win. That's right. Hey, thank you for listening to Start With A Win. If uh, you'd enjoyed this podcast, please uh, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And for more great content, head over to adamcontos.com where you can get 
blog posts. You can get access to other great uh, content as courses and, and all the like. So until next time, remember, start with a win. Thank you.